Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We literally got a one-day break from star injuries in the NBA this week. This is crazy. This week has been absolutely, well, terrible, actually, is the right word. It's, but it's, it's nuts. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, now Tyrese Halliburton. Who the hell is upright anymore? We don't know what the the timeline is on Halliburton, so we can still kind of cross our fingers. But if you're looking at just fantasy stars, really, I don't know where you cut put the cutoff for that, like top 30 type players. Inside the top 30, just don't even look. Don't even look. It's it's rough out there right now. Obviously, Anthony Davis, the latest was was better news for him, but you know, you're still looking at probably another two weeks out. Kevin Durant is out for a month. We don't know what the deal is with Halliburton, DeMar, Porzingis missed a ball game, which is crazy this year because uh I know Miles Turner late scratch, Paul George has been out, Cat still no real updates, Booker no real updates, Hero's been out, Beal's been out, Capella's been out, Trey Young missed a game with illness. Zion's not in that range, at least not in category leagues, but he's out for a while. DeAndre Ayton, on and on and on right now. The streamer board, the streamer board was down to like six or seven names a week ago. And now it's at like 20 again. And we're going to get into all of those. And it's actually going to be the first thing we talk about today before we even get into the box scores from yesterday. Uh, first of all, hi, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And if you want to follow the best fantasy news feed on Earth, it's at Ethos Fantasy BK. Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow it. Follow it. I keep making these pleas to all of you on the show, that you need to be on Twitter. I know it's rough out there, but if you continue to use TweetDeck, where it filters out all the non-followed crap, that's how you can really make the most of it, and you get your news quickly, and then come back to us here on the podcast to kind of bring it all together, to color in the drawing here on the podcast. But again, I want to start the show by just getting straight into the injury stuff. Not so much necessarily exclusively what happened yesterday, but all of it right now. Because I think the question that everybody has is, if suddenly all of these guys are available, what direction do I go? And there's a few ways that we need to kind of think this thing through. First is, what's the upside of the players you'd be picking up? And if you're just looking just looking at the most recent injuries, and that's, by the way, that's wiping out like the fact that Clint Capella's been out for a while and Onyeka Okongwu's been terrific during that stretch. If you're just Kyle Anderson, late scratch, but he's been awesome lately. If you're only looking at the injuries that just happened within the last like four or five days, you're talking Marcus Smart, which I'm bringing up because the replacement stuff going on in Boston, those guys are actually putting up pretty good numbers. You're talking... All of the Pistons front court players, because Nerlens Noel went defensive stat nutso, and you could, my heart, man, oh, my heart. 
could barely take the joy. You're talking the fact that the entire Phoenix Suns roster is out right now. Which, and I did warn all of you that a back-to-back in altitude in Denver off their win in Golden State was a perfect time for all of them to just lay a fat egg. You're talking the Wizards front court being out. You're talking Kevin Durant, and now you're talking Tyrese Halliburton. So it's like six pretty large injury-related things going on over the last roughly week. And the question that keeps coming at me is, what order do I pick these guys up in? And unfortunately, there's no simple answer to this question because we're now more than halfway through the NBA regular season and everybody's fantasy teams are a little bit different. Meaning, if your team, especially with the more recent ones, like, you know, talking about Okongwu, every team can use what Okongwu is doing these days. But I don't know that every team can use what Derek White, for instance, might be doing filling in for Marcus Smart. Or, frankly, even what Malcolm Brogdon does filling in for Marcus Smart. There's a threshold, and it's like top 50, where it doesn't matter what your team is, you want that pickup. And that's basically, to this point, only Okongwu has been that good as a replacement player. There have been some really nice lines from slow-mo, but that's more like in the 75 to 100 range. And there have been, I mean, the last two games from Nerlens Noel have been really good. Uh, but that's, again, like you're not going to get seven defensive stats every ball game. That's more in that 75 to 100 range. Maybe a tiny bit better, depending on... And again, we don't really know the timeline of, like, Jalen Duran. although it sounds like Isaiah Stewart's going to miss a couple of ball games. Adding in some of the more recent names that we'll cover again as we go through yesterday's box scores, TJ McConnell, Andrew Nemhart are the two key names that popped up from the Tyrese Halliburton situation. Royce O'Neal and TJ Warren, yes, it's all TJs here. You've got TJ Streamer City, are the names that come up with respect to the Kevin Durant injury. Patrick Williams is the name that comes up uh, from the DeMar DeRozan quad stuff. And then you can even expand that beyond to Trey Murphy, who had been very quiet for New Orleans lately, but seemed to get a bit of his confidence back yesterday. There is no perfect answer to the question of what order you pick up all of these guys. There is a team fit element that has to go on. But what I will tell you here at the beginning of this podcast, before we again dive into the recap of yesterday, is that among all of the names on the streamer board right now, and there are a ton, there are a ton, especially if you put like the entire new starting lineup for the Phoenix Suns on there. Okongwu is one that, like I was saying, needs to be on every roster. And then beyond that, you're, you're working fit. Personally, sort of like a vacuum type deal, of all of these most recent names, I probably put TJ McConnell near the top. Because his stat set is unique and weird, It's assists, it's some rebounds, actually. It's a lot of steals. He actually shoots a good field goal percent and typically a decent free throw percent, but he doesn't need three-pointers. It's a weird blend, no doubt. But it's also a very high floor for him because we kind of know that he's going to have to play like 25 or more minutes. And in that amount of time, we know already that he's going to be able to put up some fantasy value. Next on my list is probably Andrew Nemhart because he's already getting starters minutes and now he's going to get... Uh, a lot of ball handling duty, 
with Halliburton out. And we saw what he was able to do when there were no point guards. Now he'll share it with McConnell a little bit. Uh, but we also know that there's some upside with him when he's actually going to initiate, get assists, take more shots. That's much more fun. Behind those two guys, uh, I probably would go Patrick Williams. I know he had a quiet ball game yesterday, so you, you can beat me up about it if you want, but we've seen that when he gets a few extra looks, when a high-usage guy is out on the Bulls, he puts up good numbers. Uh, and then the Kevin Durant fill-in stuff, because I think it's going to be a little bit weirder there, where you're going to see Royce O'Neal get a bump. I think he's I think he'd be startable here, but how far up the board? I, you know, it's not going to be this like massive flying leap. TJ Warren's going to be interesting, but they've already talked about how they don't want to overuse him because he's still kind of working his way back from the the toe and foot injury stuff over the last two years. Uh, and you can kind of blend a lot of those guys in together, like the TJ Warren, Royce O'Neal, Patrick Williams even. You can probably blend in with Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. And honestly, I think I'd probably have slow-mo a little bit above those guys and Trey Murphy a little bit above those guys as well. But let's segue now into actually everything that happened yesterday. We'll do a little box score work, um, and we'll start at the top and just kind of work our way through it from there. Washington beat Chicago without all of their guys, basically. Uh, and this is a really rough loss for the Bulls. I know they didn't have DeMar Rosen, but there's just absolutely no excuse for losing to the Wizards. They didn't get any free throws without DeMar. The Bulls took nine total free throws in this ball game. And that was basically the difference in the contest because almost everything else was exactly the same between the two teams other than Denny Avdia having a monster rebounding game. But you guys don't care about the reality side of it. You guys care about the fantasy side. I still like Patrick Williams. I know he only had 6-6 in a block in this ballgame. That's not great. Uh, But I think the Bulls also saw that just having Zach Levine take every single shot is good for Zach Levine, but not that great for the Bulls uh, at large. So I still like Patrick Williams. I still like the minutes. I think that eight shots very easily trends back up to 10 or 11. Um, Alex Caruso is someone to keep an eye on. Um, again, with the the usage bump, and he took 11 shots, you roll that in with uh, typically a ton of steals, defensive stats for him, and he becomes someone that we should at least keep one eye on while DeRozan is out. No, I'm not adding Kobe White. I know he had 13 points and three three-pointers, but the steals are weird for him, and he really doesn't do anything besides score. On the Wizards' sides, it feels like Gafford and Porzingis could very well be back for their next ballgame, so I don't think I would go kind of deep dive on Washington. Like, I'm not going to pick up Taj Gibson in advance of their next ballgame, uh, even though he probably does kind of teeter on fantasy value as the lone starting center left they rolled Anthony Gill small ball five and it didn't burn him too much uh but I mean Avdi is the story here nine points 20 rebounds confidence wise I still don't know if he quite has it back but it's hard to ignore a 20 burger in the rebounding department so uh if we find out that Porzingis and Gafford have to miss another ball game then you go Avdia otherwise I don't think I'm going to take that plunge and we got word about 10 minutes ago uh, that Bradley Beal did participate in basketball activities, so he could be back in the next couple of ball games, which frankly feels kind of too soon to me, um, but whatever. You want to talk about bad losses? Detroit blew out the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, you heard that right. A team 
that's actually trying to compete for a playoff spot. Minnesota lost again. Uh, they're two games under 500, which is not good. Blazers are two games under 500 as well. I honestly can't believe like the Jazz, the Wolves, the Blazers are all right now tied for the last. It's a three-way tie for the last play-in spot. The Warriors and Suns are only a half game up, and the Lakers are only a half game back. What an what an insane cluster mess that is going on out in the Western Conference. Uh, but for Minnesota, Kyle Anderson was a late scratch, and I, I mean, could he have really meant that much to what they're doing right now? I, I guess the answer is yeah. I'm hoping that Slomo's back for the next ball game. I am holding on to him because his lines lately have been terrific, especially if you're punting points. No, you're not adding Austin Rivers. Uh, he was in there because Slomo was out, but I mean, this is still Austin Rivers. And on the Detroit side, no Duran and no Stewart. Um, the Duran stuff is weird because, like, it seemed like he was relatively close earlier this week, and then he's getting ruled out way in advance. If you had kind of a, a dead roster slot, which is hard to say right now because there's so many streamers, that's what makes Nerlens Noel so so very hard to add at the moment. As much as I love Nerlens, and you guys know I'm a noted Nerlensophile, have been for a very long time. I only wish his body would have kind of held up. Uh, it's hard to pick him up right now because there are streamers like Nemhard and McConnell and Williams and Warren and O'Neal and Okongwu and Slow-Mo and all these guys where you're like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get like at least a week out of most of these dudes. And with Nerlens, if you're adding him, you're leaving all of those guys on the wire and you're saying, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to use this guy in a games cap format in his next ball game. And heaven forbid, Durin comes back. I don't even know if Noel really plays in their next ball game. That's a hard ad to make when a lot of leagues are, you know, overnight waivers or add a day in advance. Nerlens is probably someone that you have to go with kind of as a last second head-to-head grab because the alternative is you end up missing out on a bunch of other guys and maybe not get to use him anyway. Sadiq Bey is interesting. I wasn't sure if he would continue to have enough to do when Boyan Bogdanovich came back, uh, and obviously the competition level helped in this ballgame. Minnesota, or I should say Minnesota, allowed Detroit to shoot 60% for the game. That's not good defensively. You have Rudy Gobert. What are you doing? Like, funnel people to him. At the very least, I don't know, man. Minnesota, that offseason trade, uh, not. I know Cat's been out for a while, so it's hard to kind of grade them at the moment. And Cat is the centerpiece of a lot of what they do on offense. But ew, boy, uh, I know they've been playing. They played a tiny bit better prior to uh, last couple, so I'll I'll leave them alone for now. As far as Detroit fantasy stuff goes, I mean, this is like the. What if everything goes right ball game? So you have to grade everybody out based on this being the best game you get from them over the next, like, five weeks. So, you know, good for Jaden Ivey, but you're going to be fighting with your percentages. Great for Killian Hayes, but you're going to be fighting with percentages and turnovers and stuff like that. And so just, like, grain of salt is basically the the message on the Detroit side. Other than Sadiq Bey, who... Uh, I think, again, like Noel, probably makes more sense on the head-to-head side because you might add him and then not get to use him at all, but he is going to go and, and take a bunch of shots, and then you just kind of have to hope that it's not one of those, like, 
five for 20 shooting games because that would sink you. We've talked about the Pacers plenty at this point. Uh, this was just an example, this ball game, the Pacers losing to New York. And they're going to lose a few games now without Tyrese Halliburton. They're just, like, they're, they're everything that they do is built around Halliburton. They're four games over 500, but they won't be uh, when Halliburton comes back. I feel pretty confident in that one. But you saw it here. Nemhard played 34 minutes. Halliburton played a lot of this ball game before he went down. So we didn't get a full flavor I think he probably would have played like another maybe 10-ish minutes. And it's probably fair to say that most of those 10 minutes ended up with TJ McConnell. Because um, Nemhard is playing starters minutes regardless. But it is going to... And Nemhard had five fouls as well. But it is going to come down more... This is a discussion we had, I think, on yesterday's podcast. It's about usage. Nemhard's usage is going to go up. McConnell's usage is generally pretty high when he's on the floor. So for him, it's more about minutes going up. Heald's usage is already pretty high. It can't go that much higher, but it'll tick up a little bit. You'll see Miles Turner come back, and he'll have certainly more usage than any center we saw in this ballgame. James Johnson played 13 minutes, for heaven's sake. Goga saw 15. Um, Halliburton being out helps a lot of people, but actually hurts others because of what he does to get people open also. Benedict Matherin will probably get more shots, but that's all he does anyway. Uh, but this is just a little example of what that might look like as kind of like a partial game piece of news. On the Knicks side, R.J. Barrett came back and played a Tom Thibodeau-esque 41 minutes. And he looked fine, didn't shoot the ball all that well, but that's sort of the R.J. Barrett way. Emmanuel quickly back to the bench. He played 26 minutes. That ain't enough for him, unfortunately. He needs full starters minutes to get there, especially when you consider the fact that uh, even if his usage does tick up in the bench unit, there's just so many guys in front of him right now. Uh, and this is a game where Julius Randle didn't actually do all that much on offense. So uh, sorry, Emmanuel quickly. It was a fun ride. But it comes to an end here. I got a bunch of questions on Twitter. This surprised me actually a lot. Should I hold on to Quentin Grimes? Absolutely. He was good before R.J. Barrett went down. It didn't really change for him when other guys are in or out of the starting lineup. He's just a like a lowish usage dude who might be kind of built in that same sort of Kentavious Caldwell Pulp situation where he might be better as the Knicks have better players around him. And that's not to take anything away from Emmanuel quickly. It does actually take a little bit away from Miles McBride. Sorry, Miles McBride. I don't know. I couldn't pick you out of a lineup. Uh, but for Grimes, he's going to get good looks with Brunson and Randall and Barrett around him. These are guys that just draw attention, whether they deserve it or not, on certain days. So, yeah, absolutely hold on to Grimes. He's a rest-of-season guy, which puts him a level above most of these streamers, at least for 12-teamers and deeper. All right, moving right along. Boston beat New Orleans 125-114. CJ McCollum um, is going crazy these days. I don't know what happened to my voice right there. It was like I forgot how to speak for just a brief moment. McCollum is number 48 in 9-cat right now, uh, and he'll continue to likely trend up as long as Brandon Ingram and Zion are out, it pays to be the last man standing, effectively. Uh, as I said on yesterday's podcast, the Celtics were just going to destroy Jonas Valanciunas on the defensive side. 
and that forced the Pelicans to go to smaller lineups. Larry Nance played 20 minutes. That wasn't very good, actually. They rolled Jackson Hayes for 18. There was just no real solution. Thoughts on the the New Orleans side, which I think is kind of complicated right now. Trey Murphy, get him fired back up again. Really nice to see his confidence come back a little bit in this ballgame. I would actually like to see him shoot more. Uh, but that would require Najee Marshall to stop chucking a little bit, who had a decent ball game of his own. I don't want to take anything away from Najee. Typically a little more points league friendly because he doesn't get defensive stats. His percentages are generally not all that great, specifically field goal percent. But he got enough rebounds and assists and a block in this game to kind of paint over that. Uh, but Najee typically, again, more a points league option than nine cat. Trey Murphy is better on the nine cat side than he is on the points league side. And I think we can unfortunately leave Larry Nance alone. I I still don't believe that he's fully healthy. We know what he looks like when he's healthy, and he doesn't look like that right now. And maybe I'm a little too conspiracy theorist here on Nance, but just leave him alone um, until he starts to look like himself again, basically. As far as Boston goes, uh, Time Lord sat this one out, and then Horford will probably sit out the other half of the back-to-back, so now they got interchangeable centers. Uh, so maybe not the greatest game to grade Horford on, but he looked really good. Field goal percent was back up again. Four three-pointers, three boards, four assists, a steal, a block. I mean, please stop complaining about Al Horford. He's number 70 on a per-game basis. He's been totally fine all year long. He'll sit these back-to-backs out. We knew we were getting into that on the Roto side. Better in Roto than head-to-head. So just roll with it. Uh, Really excited to see what Robert Williams does tonight. Maybe they give him like 25. Ooh, what if he got up to 25 minutes? That'd be juicy as hell, man. Ooh, boy, would that be juicy as hell. As far as uh, Marcus Smart fill-in stuff goes on uh, on the Celtics side, As I said on the podcast yesterday, I figured even though Grant Williams popped off in the first Marcus Smart fill-in game, the safer plays are Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, and those two guys each had much better ballgames here. I know White didn't score very much, but four boards, six assists, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. That's good. That's very slow-mo-esque of White. And then Brogdon did the more Brogdon-y type of line, which is a lot of points. Not a ton of other stuff, but he did on good percentages. Did get two steals, which was somewhat surprising. Um, And I would actually feel relatively comfortable starting both of those guys, as I mentioned kind of towards the outset of the show. Not a lot out of the Milwaukee-Atlanta game. Grayson Allen turned an ankle, but I don't have the stones to recommend a Javon Carter pickup. Pat Connaughton is your very slow, plotting, schedule stream level guy. Brooke Lopez continues to astound and amaze as the number 11 totals player in fantasy this year and number 22 by averages. On the Atlanta side, Trey Young sat this one out with an ailment. He'll be fine. He practiced already today, so he'll be back for the next ballgame. So don't read too much into the boatload of extra shots uh, that Bogdan Bogdanovich got in yesterday's ballgame. Everything else stays the same for Atlanta. Everything stays the same for Memphis. Not everything stays the same for San Antonio, who got Keldon Johnson back. And he didn't shoot the ball well from the field, but he did go 11 of 12 at the free throw line. And I know that this season has generally been a complete disaster for Keldon, but skipping the injury stuff, the last five or six ballgames for him have actually been significantly better. uh, And we will take that because he's right around the edge of the top 100 over that stretch. 
mostly due to a lack of anything besides scoring, but at least he's not hurting you right now, and that makes him startable. And him coming back makes a lot of other guys not startable. Can't trust Jeremy Sohan, not enough usage. Can't trust Romeo Langford. can't trust Malachi Branham, can't trust Josh Richardson, even though he has the best fantasy game of all of those fill-in guys. Just not enough time on the floor now with Johnson back. Can't trust Doug McDermott. And unfortunately, despite having a good ball game, you can't really trust Zach Collins either. Uh, he's going to back up Jakob Pertl. He's going to play about 20 minutes a ball game, but consistently, this is the good line, and he'll have these mixed in with ones where there are kind of disappearing acts, especially when you consider the fact that Pertl is looking a lot better these days. Uh, he's another guy who kind of got off to a slower start this year, uh, but he's top 50 over the last couple of weeks, mostly because the blocks have come around. What you do want to watch out for is, does Pirtle get moved at the trade deadline? Because if so, Zach Collins is one of those guys you could squat on. I don't know if I would do it now. We're still four weeks away today from the trade deadline. Uh, but he's a guy that could really see a nice positive bump in minutes and numbers after February 9th. Denver beat Phoenix. This was this one I'd blow all written all over it. Suns in altitude on the back-to-back. Um... Everybody's still out after a win in Golden State. This is about as exhausted as players get in the NBA. It's the altitude back-to-back off a late-night West Coast game that requires travel. So it was like a two-hour flight through the middle of the night into a spot where you can't breathe, and you don't have anybody on your bench to use. So worst-case scenario. I did say on yesterday's show that if there was any son I might trust in this ballgame, it would have been Tory Craig. Behind Mikael Bridges, who had a bad ball game, but as, ter- as far as the fill-in guys goes, I said at least with Craig, like you're going to get some rebounds, you'll probably get a defensive stat, which he didn't, um, and he hung in there. And my second choice, I said if if Aiton sits out, Dario Sharch is probably the other guy I would consider. And those two guys had the we survived games for a team that put up 97 points. Let's just keep an eye on Phoenix. I'm not recommending a pickup on any of these guys because none of them has a decent ceiling, especially when you consider the fact that there are like 20 other possible streamers you can play right now jamal murray turned an ankle but his team was up by 40 so uh it sounds like he's going to be trying to play in their next ball game we'll see if that actually does come to fruition but it doesn't sound serious that's the important part no you're not picking up bones kcp continues to stay above the cut line that's the feeling i've had on that throughout no notes this is a no notes kind of situation And the last game from yesterday, Sacramento whipped up on the hapless Rockets who did lose Kevin Porter Jr. early in this ballgame. Kenyon Martin Jr., K.J. Martin, started the second half for Houston. That, I think, is an important note on this ballgame. K.J. Martin got the start in the second half, and presumably, if Porter has to miss any time, K.J. Martin would get a start going forward. So keep one eye on the Rockets again. KJ, not as interesting as most of the other streamer pickups right now, uh, but it's another option. It's another of, you know, 40 options these days. And on the Sacramento side, we're keeping an eye basically on Keegan Murray's rebounding, and he got six of them in this ball game, which in my estimation is enough to justify starting him, but can he keep it going? That's what I don't know for certain. He did for a couple games, and then he didn't. I feel like with Murray, he is at the very least getting closer 
to that consistent starter. Because over the last two weeks, he's at four rebounds, and that's actually been enough to get him inside the top 75 range. Three three-pointers also doesn't hurt his cause. But he's a guy that isn't an injury fill-in, so we have to be, I think, a little bit more deliberate in what we do with Keegan Murray. He's more valuable, potentially, potentially more valuable than some of these injury replacements because he's a guy you could use throughout the season. So, you know, what do we what do we do with that information? Um, he's probably... I don't even really know. Is is Keegan Murray a guy who's on waivers all that much? I feel like he's probably on he's probably rostered in most leagues. 69% on Yahoo. I would I think he's probably a pickup at this point. We're starting to see some of that stuff come around a little bit. Uh but if you don't miss if you don't get him, it's not gonna be a really big deal. Maybe we can leave it at that. It's not like it's not gonna change your life if he if this is him figuring it out and like coasts along in the top 100 range. You're also not picking up Trey Lyles. It was very useful for my 30-team league uh, where I had to start him because of the Kevin Durant injury. Oh, the drop-off when someone gets hurt in a 30-team league. Uh, but I got a great game out of Lyles, so I'll, uh, I'll take it. And that's the recap on yesterday, everybody. Let's take a look at what's coming up tomorrow very quickly. Uh, or not tomorrow. What the hell am I talking about? Tonight. It's a six-game Thursday. We actually have some games on the docket. Oklahoma City is in Philadelphia. Uh, not a whole lot to pay attention to on OKC. We got our, our answer on Kenrich Williams, which is I don't think you can really trust it. Philly, um, don't panic on DeAnthony Melton. Give him some time to figure it out, please, and don't ask after every ball game because I'm going to give you the same answer. Unless he's terrible for like the next two weeks in a row, I'm not moving him. Charlotte, uh, I think we have a pretty good idea of what they are now. Dennis Smith Jr. seems to have settled into about 24 minutes per game, which is not enough to start every day, but very much enough if you need steals. Toronto, nothing. Boston, pretty much nothing. I think we know what to do here with Marcus Smart, uh, likely sideline. Brooklyn is very much a team we want to pay attention to. This is a watch close. Who gets the minutes for Kevin Durant? Who gets the touches for Kevin Durant? Is there any consistency? This is a big one. This is a big one. Don't tune me out right now. It's going to probably be someone different most nights. So you're going to see this ball game, Brooklyn and Boston. It's going to be a great game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and let's say that Seth Curry has a big one. He's going to be picked up in a bunch of leagues. But in the next one, it could be Joe Harris. And then after that, it could be TJ Warren. And then it could be Royce O'Neal. I think because Royce O'Neal is going to see huge minutes, and he, we saw his assists tick up when Kyrie Irving was out. It probably also happens here with Kevin Durant out. He's the more safe play in that bunch. But then among the, quote-unquote, guys who need to score to be fantasy relevant, Warren, Curry, Harris, you could even throw Watanabe in there, although he's he can do it with other stuff besides scoring. Do we see a measure of consistency? And then what do you do with the info as it comes in? Because we're only going to have this one-game sample to work off. Let's say Seth Curry has a big ball game. Do we pick him up and then just sit on him for one or two games to see if he can keep this going? There are a lot of questions around Brooklyn coming up tonight. Milwaukee, Chris Middleton's been ruled out, but we did get good news on Middleton. Uh, folks that are covering the Bucks, in addition to Shams, have talked about how he is getting close 
uh, that he's been basically a full participant in practice or very close to it. Like he's, they said he basically had like what a G League practice would be. Um, so there's a chance we might see Middleton as early as this weekend. I would think next week uh, we will have Middleton on the court again, but I think they're going to be a little bit careful. Still, it's good news for Miami. Uh, I believe Kyle Lowry's already been ruled out. What I don't remember, and I can try to look it up really fast here, but it'll make for a very bad podcast, is whether or not Hero is out. I think he is still out, and I believe Adebayo is expected to play in this ballgame. So that wipes out any big man stream from Miami. Oh, oh, by the way, Chris Middleton, as we're talking right now, just got assigned to the G League, so now we really know that he's getting close. Live on air! Breaking news, Chris Middleton getting closer. Um... The the Heat backcourt is interesting because um, Butler's going to be in and then Bam's in. So those are going to be the guys that see the two biggest usage uh, usage in, in the ballgame. They don't have bumps. That makes me worried to use a guy like Max Struess because he needs a ton of shots. And it makes me a bit worried to use a guy like Gabe Vincent also. But I think I would play Oladipo. I don't know that I would go any farther than that. I think Bam coming back takes so much of the offense back from those replacement guys that it's very reasonable. It's it's quite possible that some of them do have good ball games. I just don't feel confident in saying which of that of those someones it'll be. Dallas and LA, not a whole lot to pick through there. Um I think we pretty much know who's going to play on both sides. Uh you guys know my feelings on Dennis Schroeder. He's, I think, more of a points league guy when LeBron is in. And then Cleveland-Portland, not really a whole lot to go through there either. Ricky Rubio is expected to make his season debut, but I'm not going to really do anything about it. He'll probably have really high usage in like 12 minutes in this ballgame, and everybody's going to go, oh my god! But then we're all going to remember that he's behind Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and Karis LeVert. And unfortunately... That just ain't enough. And then with Portland, we haven't really had anything change since Lillard came back. So uh, nothing to keep an eye on in that one tonight either. And that is your Thursday podcast. Tomorrow on Fantasy NBA Today will be our delightful week in review. Fridays are always a lot of fun. We got these big lists of ads and drops and streams and holds and watch list guys. And I'll get some buys and sells. And here I am crossing my fingers that finally the Terry Rozier Six weeks in a row by recommendation may finally start to pay off. Will it? We don't know, but we hope. I am at Dan Bespris. I am also just Dan Bespris. Sometimes I exist without an at symbol at the front of my name. Please do follow me on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Thank you one and all for making this show so damn successful over the years. We're just going to continue to grow it. Please, whatever you can do to help spread the word, whatever that might be, whether it's a like on Twitter or a retweet or telling a friend or posting it on Facebook, whatever you can do, I am eternally grateful. Thank you to ExpressVPN. Thank you to Thrive. And thank you to my bookie for their partnerships here on Fantasy NBA Today right now. Have a delightful Thursday, everybody. We will talk at you tomorrow.